I'm really just going to be speaking from the heart today. And I'm going to be sharing, you know, what, what I feel like he has given. And I don't know, I, if you're, so we've got an awesome life group. Um, if you're not in a life group, quick plug, got to, trust me, you just got to. But uh, in our life group, I talk about the chosen all the time, don't I? The chosen, the show, the chosen, if you haven't seen it, um, you are missing out. You are completely missing out. It is an awesome, awesome show. Uh, my mother-in-law is here, and uh, it was a couple years back or however long it's been out now, and it was like a Thanksgiving holiday, and, and we were like, yeah, you got to try The Chosen, The Chosen, and can we be honest? A lot of like Jesus movies and shows aren't, you know, yeah, a little low budget. They're not, you know, they're on the corny side, being real. This is not that. Um, it is so awesome. So I feel like when I was talking to the family, they were kind of like, yeah, another corny Jesus thing. So I just started like, I started playing it. And then we ended up binging it for the whole weekend because it's so awesome. So we regularly, The Chosen seems to make its way into conversation at Life Group. And so check it out. Um, I'll try not to push it too much here. But uh, it's really good. And I shared uh, this brief thought with our dream team in a boost before service one week. But I, there was one week where uh, we, we were watching the episode, and it was the episode where uh, the synagogue official, Jairus, he had his, his daughter was sick. And his daughter was really sick. And he, he had heard things about this Jesus guy, about these like crazy, amazing things that he was doing, these miracles that he was doing. And uh, so Jairus, you know, he's like talking with his wife and they're really concerned about his daughter to the point where his wife's like, we're going to lose her, do something out of just desperation. And, and daddy, you know, he's like, you know what? I got to do whatever it takes. I've got to go find this Jesus guy. He's, he's the only hope that I have. He's the only hope that I know where to run to. And so Jairus starts looking for Jesus and he starts, he finds uh, some of the disciples that he knew followed Jesus. And so the disciples made, him, made his way to, uh, to Jesus and Jairus comes in, it was in Peter's house on the show. And as soon as he saw Jesus, he ran up to him and just dropped to his knees and just started to beg him, my daughter is dying. I, I, I need you. I need you. I'm desperate. Can you imagine? You know, your child dying in front of your eyes, 12-year-old daughter, and, and he is just desperate. And in that moment, just everything was like, I, all of my hope is in you. We, we don't know what else to do. We don't know where else to go. All of my hope is in you. And in this desperation, he cries out to God. And, and Jesus turns around and he looks at his disciples and he says, this man's faith is beautiful. This man's faith is beautiful. And so 
Jesus turns back around to Jairus and he's like, where is she? Let's go. Jesus just stopped, you know, whatever was going on. He was talking to his disciples at the moment. And it's not an interruption. It was an opportunity to, to step in and to do something. So Jesus, let's go, right? He starts taking off. Show me where she's at. And on his way to his 12-year-old daughter enters the woman with the issue of blood. She had been hemorrhaging for 12 years. Again, can you imagine? 12 years. She had been to doctor after doctor, spent everything that she had to try to get healed and restored. Nothing. Nothing. She was desperate. She, uh, because of this sickness in that time, you were considered unclean. So she was ostracized to the community. She was alone. She was isolated. If anyone even saw her in public, they, would be, they had to wear something to show that they were unclean. So as soon as, as, soon as someone would see them, they would begin to, to scream at them, unclean. Can you imagine? Like the, the, the little offenses that we have today where someone, might, we might take something wrong out of context, assume something. And here, can you imagine walking in public and someone just starts yelling, unclean, get out of here, right? That's what she, that was her everyday life. She was isolated 12 long years and she heard about this man, Jesus. He I've tried everything else. I've gone to every doctor. I've spent all my money. I don't know what else to do. All of my hope is in this dude. So Jesus, on his way to the 12-year-old daughter, is, is he has people piled around him because the word is spreading that this man heals, this man restores, all of the sicknesses and the blindness and the, the muteness, everything he is restoring. And so all of these people in need are just rushing to him. And he has this crowd around him and they're like piled in. It's like, it's like going to the World Series and you're walking around and everyone's just like piled in. You can barely move. It's just like everyone's just inching forward because there's no space. Jesus is just smashed into this crowd and he's making his way to the daughter. And the woman with the issue of blood sees Jesus. And she's like, you know what? I know I'm not even supposed to be out here in public. But here is my chance. Here is my hope. If I could just simply touch the hem of his robe, his garment. If, if that's all I could, I know I'll be restored. I know I'll be healed. So she fights through the crowd, forces her way through. She's not supposed to touch anyone. She is forcing her way through to the point where Jesus, she's about to lose her, her opportunity because Jesus is making his way through and she's wrestling through the crowd to the point where she almost just dives forward and just barely touches the hem of his garment and was immediately, Scripture tells us, was immediately healed. The blood dried up and she was restored in the moment. 
And Jesus stops dead in his tracks. Again, he's going somewhere. It's, it's urgent. She's dying. This 12-year-old daughter is, is dying. But in this moment, he stops. He turns around. He said, who touched me? And, and all of his disciples are like, what are you talking about? There are a crap ton of people that are all over you right now. Like, everyone's touching you. And so Jesus is like, no, I felt power leave me. Someone touched me. Someone was desperate and needed me, and they dove out and touched me, and I felt the power leave me. And so Jesus is asking, and in the show, it's kind of funny because she's the only one on the ground and everyone else is like given her space. So she's like clearly the one that touched. And Jesus is still like, so who touched me? <laughs> so finally she realizes there's no out. And she says it was me. And Jesus looked at her and he said, listen, you've been healed because of your faith. Because of your faith, you have been healed. This whole thing that we're doing, this whole God thing, it's all about faith. Listen, nothing about it may be logical. It requires faith. And it hit me that that episode, and that whole week it seemed to be this common theme. And I know Dustin already spoke on faith. I think it was week two. So we've already covered that word, but um, in our series, but it just it consumed me that week that it was like, you know what? Oh, he just wants me to really like believe in him. He just wants me to believe in him with everything that I've got, whatever, whatever the need is, whatever's going on, whatever circumstance, he just wants me to believe in him. We make things so difficult and so complex. And all our Father wants is us to just believe in him, that he is great. He is big. He is amazing. He is the creator. He is God Almighty. He's everything. That's all he wants. And so as I was thinking through this, I was thinking how it's one thing while we're in church and things are good, everything's all right, it's one thing to talk about how we believe and we have faith and we trust in you, you know, and it's kind of like, yeah, here we go. But throughout scripture, we read that it first took a step. It first took an action from us to show that faith. It's not just lip service. It's not just something I say I believe but you can tell and you can see that I believe it because I'm taking steps, I'm taking action. If you really believe something, don't you, you follow it with action? So in these examples, Jairus comes running, right? He took the step, he's running toward Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood, she came, she dove, she touched the hymn, she took the step, she took action. We, we've, most of us, if not all of us, have heard the story of David and Goliath. You know, what's interesting about that is David first just simply obeyed his dad by taking lunch out to his brother, but he took the step 
to obey that, to follow that, and it led him to Goliath, and then he took the step to then conquer Goliath. We know the story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, God told him to sacrifice, to kill his one and only son. <laughs> I don't know about that. I can't, I can't imagine, like, hang on, you told me to do what? Abraham, faithful as can be, knowing that God is who he is, just fully trusting him, takes his son, lays him on the altar, and about to kill his own son. Then God showed up. But he took all those steps, prepared the wood. Isaac's like, his son's like, hey, uh, Where's the lamb here? What's going on? Next thing he knows, he's on top of it. Can you imagine the faith that it required to put your own son? But it took action. It took step. And the, the main scripture I wanted to pull from today is when Peter walked on the water. Again, many of us have heard of this. But let me tell you guys, we've got... We've got some that have gone to church all their life, most of their life. And what I love about Bridge Church is the other half of us haven't heard all these stories about the Bible because we're brand new to this thing. You know, we're brand new. We're learning this stuff. So some of us, we hear Peter walking on the water and we're like, yeah, I heard that one a hundred times. You know, some of us are like, hang on, someone walked on water? Like what? What's going on? So, yeah, we go to Matthew chapter 14. We're starting at verse 22. And Jesus just got done feeding 5,000 men plus all of the women and children with a couple fish and some bread, right? He fed 5,000, probably close to 20,000 with families included, right? And so he just does this amazing miracle. And right after that, he tells his disciples, he insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. Now, I read a book a few years back called Invisible Ink. And it's about like, storytelling and how to tell stories effectively. And I need to read it again because I'm still not good at it. But um, one of the things that I, I found was really interesting about it, um, you know, call, it's called Invisible Ink. One of the main things about this book is if you think about or go back or next time you watch a movie, a lot of times in that story, they will tell you the end at the beginning. They'll tell you the end at the beginning without just blatantly telling you. They kind of slide it in somehow, some way. You don't even pick it up when you're watching it at first, but then they wrap it all the way back around at the end, okay? So ever since I read this book, now, especially like kids' movies, they're easier to kind of pinpoint, um, but I watch, every time I watch a kid's movie now, I'm like, oh, there's the ending. You know, like I'm, I'm looking for it. There's the ending. Jesus just told them, hey, you're going to go to the other side of the lake. Okay? 
He already told them, hey, listen, you're going you're gonna to go to the other side of the lake. Now, Jesus also knew <laughs> that there was a storm that was coming. Hey, go out on your little rowboat. You're going to go to the other side, all right? But this storm is coming. So he already told them the promise. He already gave him his word that you're going to make it to the other side. We've been singing about it all morning. But his promises, his word is sure. It is certain. You can count on it. It will be done. If he said it, it will be done. So we have to cling on to those promises. He will supply every need. His grace is sufficient. His children will not be overtaken by temptation. All things work together for good to those that love him and serve him. Those are his promises. Those are things that we know are sure. We can count on it. But the storms come. When we don't expect them, they show up. And we find ourselves in these storms in life. Don't we? So many different storms that we find ourselves in. Financially, you know, maybe, maybe we're struggling financially. You know, we lost the job. We, we find ourselves in debt. Student loans are piled on us. You know, we have this, we, we feel this bondage financially that we can't see, we don't see a way out. Or maybe, maybe we're, we're struggling with some sort of temptation, some sort of addiction, some sort of mental health. We had, uh, I had an amazing lunch on Friday where we were just talking about uh, a lot of just the, the mental health that consumes uh, our culture today, our world today. Us struggle with mental health and depression you know, these storms come out of nowhere. We get these strong winds that come in that, that just nail us when we're not expecting it. The shame and the guilt that we carry, we just find ourselves in the storm. We say, God, I trust in you. I believe in you. Then we leave church on Sunday and that wind from that storm comes whipping through. And all of a sudden, we done forgot about what we were shouting about and singing about, and right? Because the storm comes hitting us. In verse 23, it carries on to say, after sending them home, <laughs> after sending them home, he, he went up into the hills on, on a mountain by himself to pray. And night fell while he was there alone. I love that this calls this out. Jesus knows he's sending them out into this storm, into this, this lake where they're about to get a battle. And he goes up into the mountain where he can see his children. And even though they're going to go into the storm, he's got his eye on them, right? No matter what you're going through, he's near, he can see, he's right there with you. 
And meanwhile, in verse 24, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting these heavy waves. Some of these guys were fishermen. They were, they were used to being in a boat. They, they knew what they were doing. But verse 25 says, about 3 o'clock in the morning, they've been at it all night. They've been fighting these waves all night. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them. Now, Peter's coming. His chance is coming, right? He's about to walk on the water. But think about this, and I know we struggle with this. Peter's not Jonah. Peter's not on this, out on this boat because of his wrongdoing, his disobedience. Peter was sent out into this storm by Jesus himself. So he's about to take on this storm. And I, this isn't something that because of out of his own disobedience that he finds himself in this storm. No, it's exactly what Jesus told him to do. They've been fighting it all night long. Sometimes we find ourselves in these storms where it's like, man, I've been fighting. I've been swimming in this riptide for how, I mean, come on. Where are you, Jesus? Come on in anytime. We just keep getting whacked by another wave and whacked by another wave. And we're like, what is going on? This can't be of Jesus. Hang on. But he sent them into the storm. He didn't stop the wind and the waves at this point. He could have. We know that because we're about to find out he did. But then Jesus walks on the water. He's right there with you. He goes into the storm with you. He's near. He's by you. Whatever it is, you've been battling it, seems like forever. You're questioning everything. <laughs> but he's right there. He walks right into the storm with you. In verse 26, it says, when the disciples saw him, Walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. I mean, they're, they're tired. They're delirious. It's, it's in the middle of the night, and there is someone straight walking on the water. What is going on right now? What's interesting is this is the first part. This is the first part where it specifies they were scared. When Jesus came into the picture was when they first became afraid. They're battling the waves, but they became terrified when they saw Jesus. That's why it's important that we don't go off of our feelings. Here's Jesus, the Savior, and the feeling is, is I'm terrified, I'm afraid, but we must Stand firm on his word. He already told us, you're going home. You're going to the other side. Yes, sir. We can't let our feelings 
throw us off. No, when Jesus showed up, it wasn't the warm and fuzzies, the peace all over us. No, he, was, he just came into the storm with them. Verse 27 said, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. And then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Who else is going to do that but Peter, right? Like, who even thinks of that? Hey, if it's really you, I want to do that, you know? Like. So Jesus says, come. You just say, come. So Peter steps out, you know, do I, what it, and he steps out, and he begins to walk on water. I tried this so many times when I was a kid. It just never worked out. It never worked out. It's like, God, I really believe you. He, he takes this bold faith and this step out onto water, and he is walking on water. But after, after Jesus does something for you and you're walking on water, you can't even believe what he's doing right now. But after you get used to it a little bit and you start to just kind of, oh, I got this. I got this. And we do it for just half a second. <laughs> All of a sudden, we're like, I'm good. And we take our eyes off of Jesus. It's exactly what Peter does. He takes his eyes off of Jesus, and all of a sudden, he begins to sink. He begins to sink. Let me ask you, what is, what is stronger? The storm the wind, or Jesus? I would argue it's whatever you're looking at. If you look at that storm, all of a sudden you begin to sink. You magnify the storm, you magnify that in your brain. It's all you can think of. You're fixated on it, and you begin to just sink deeper and deeper. Or we can look at Jesus, and we can cry out to him just as Peter did. Once he realized what he did, Jesus, save me, save me. Jesus reached down, rips him out, and he's back on top of the water. Faith is focus. Faith is about our focus. Are we going to focus on him? Are we going to focus on the circumstances, on the storm, on life, the distractions? Maybe it's, maybe it's not even a, a storm. Maybe it's a simple distraction. Maybe life is good. Maybe it's so good that you're completely distracted on what God is doing or trying to do. 
but we must stay focused on him. Faith is our focus staying steady on him. So Jesus reaches down, he saves him. He said, you have so little faith, which is hilarious. He just walked on water and I'm like, wow, that's a lot of faith. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Jesus chose to stop after they got safely back into the boat. Come on, Lord. Like, we were just out. I almost drowned. Like, could you not have? He, he lets us go through these things in life sometimes to learn, to build our faith, to truly trust in him. Dan shared yesterday at men's breakfast, second Saturday morning of every month, men's breakfast. Uh, but Dan shared so beautifully some of the things that God has done in his life, the things that God is doing in his life. Those are experiences that he will never forget. He will continue to grab hold of and remind himself of what God has done in his life. Just like all of us, God has done amazing things in our life. In, in The Chosen, <laughs> on, on this part of the show, I thought it was so beautiful because as soon as they got back in the boat, Peter was still just like weeping from like terror from almost drowning. And they got back in this boat and Jesus just held him tight, just like daddy and son just wrapped him so tight. And Peter was like weeping. Peter's this macho guy throughout the show, and he's just like weeping in Jesus's arms like a little infant baby. And Jesus, at that moment, he's like, stop. Wind, stop, all right? Stop. He wants us to believe in him. Through it all, and it, man, Life can suck sometimes. It can, it can. But through it all, his promises remain. His word remains. And we can hold on to those. We know that that is true. That is truth. His word is truth. So a few weeks back, Tara and I are flipping our first rental home. We've got some, our investment home. And we've got some pretty cool friends that have taught us how to do this. And, um, and so we, we have been working on this house. And this tree out in this house was, um, there was a storm, speaking of storms. Uh, and it had all these branches that were like falling off of this tree. And they're like, hang, some of them are hanging all over in this tree. And they were low enough to where I was like, man, if I, could get, if I could get one of the kiddos up in this tree, they could just throw these things down so I can get these branches out of here. And so Lila jumps to the occasion, and she's like, yeah, I, I want to go in this tree. Just like Peter's like, hey, if it's you, like, I want to stand on the water, you know? And so I get Lila up in this tree, and I notice once she gets up there, because it's like as high as I can like get her up there. It's, it's up there. As soon as I get her up in this tree, I noticed 
she's, she's holding on to this tree pretty tight. You know, Lila's 10 years old. And when you're 10 years old, you've learned some things now. You know, when you're like two, you're still kind of fearless. Like Knox just like runs into things because he doesn't even understand fear yet. Well, Lila's 10. She's learned some things. She understands that, hey, when you fall out of a tree, it hurts. And so she's up in this tree, and she's gripping this thing. And I, I'm not saying a word. I'm like, okay, yeah, baby, come on, get that. It's right there. You can get it. So she's trying to rip this thing out of the tree, and she gets this one. She goes to the next one and rips it down, and she gets all the branches. And she's standing up on this branch good ways up, and she, she looks down, and I see the fear in her face. And I'm like, baby, it's all right. Come on down. You know, I, I've got you. I'm right here. And she is still just like, bare, I mean, like white knuckled on this tree and she doesn't, she, she ain't about it. And she looks down and I'm like, baby, I am right here. I will not miss you. Like, I promise you, I am your daddy there is no way on earth I am letting you fall. You are my baby girl. There is no way. So she's, she's, you know, trying to maneuver around, and she's trying to get as low as she can, you know, on the tree. Like, she sits down now on the branch, and she's trying to, like, get as low as she can possibly go, and she is still scared out of her mind. And I don't know what it was exactly because I was continually like, hey, I got you, baby. Like, I'm right here. I don't know what it was in her mind, but it was when she went from faith, fear to faith that daddy's got me. He's not going to let me fall. What am I thinking? And I saw it in an instant. Like, she just, oh, all I got to do is just jump. He'll catch me. So she jumps and I dropped her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was terrible. We had to go to the ER. No. I caught her, guys, and I embraced her as hard as I could. And I just held her for a second, and I whispered her in her ear, baby, I love you more than you even know. There's no way I'm letting you I feel like Jesus was telling me, hey, can you just trust me enough to make that jump? I want to catch you. I just want to embrace my child. I love you so much. Just jump. Just trust me. <laughs> 